Father, this morning, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We commit ourselves, Lord, this morning. Touch our ears. Our ears. Above all, touch our ears. For faith comes from hearing. Your word said in the final book, Lord, your spirit says, blessed are those who read and who hear and keep the words of this prophecy. I pray, Father, there would be a hearing today. Even those who have never heard before today, it's a new day. And your mercies are new every morning. Today, they will receive that mercy of hearing, Father. Touch our ears. Heal our eyes with that salve, that balm of Gilead. That we may see the awesomeness of our God, the beauty of his face, the glory of his kingdom, that this world will feel like rubbish. As Apostle Paul said, I consider it all as rubbish, trash. Open our eyes. Touch our hearts. Could there have been many in the past to have heard and saw, yet didn't believe. Balaam was somebody who heard, who saw into the unseen, yet didn't believe. So above all, touch our hearts that we may believe. Because your word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Help us to believe and confess. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In every situation, the name above every other name, the only name under the heavens in which salvation is found, help us to believe and confess Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. The sweetest name of all. Jesus, the most powerful name of all. And the righteous run and hide in that name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we continue where we stopped last month. The end of last 15th year. Remember, the whole idea is we are saved by grace. Like I told the other church, I will not speak their language to you. You won't understand anything. You are saved by grace. We are all saved. If you are saved, you are saved by the grace of God. It's free. The supernatural grace of God. But once you are saved, the grace of, of God has appeared to all men. And teaches us. All teaching is primarily connected to this. Your and my appearance before God for judgment. Either you die, you stand before God. Or he comes, and you stand before God. So it's a preparation for that day. After you are saved, everything is a preparation for that day. Remember Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto every man to die once. And after that it is judgment. I mean, 
Death is, I mean, just think about last week. Think about it. I mean, it doesn't make any difference to you. It makes a whole lot of difference. That train is a train I've been traveling from the age of, from the time Coromandel Express started. As a young kid in class 8, 19 Chennai male, get down on this platform, rush to the next one, catch Coromandel Express as the first super fast on that, right? And that's the train. And the other one. The other train also have traveled in it. And suddenly they are gone. 2,000 passengers sitting, thinking, had no clue that almost 300 would not see the end of that day. It's gone. It's gone. That's how our lives are. That's why the Bible puts it across. We are like vapor. Gone. That's it. If you look into eternity, which is not time without end, it is timelessness. Our life on earth is like mist. It's there and gone. And therefore, none of us know when he's going to come. Top secret in the, in the whole universe, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. It's a secret. Father is holding it. I'm still doubt. Does the son know? I don't know. Because when the book of Revelation <laughs> is written, the revelation God gave to his servant, to his son Jesus, to his servant, the angel, to the apostle John. I don't know, the father is keeping a top secret. When he's going to send his send back, it could be before the end of the service. Precisely. Because what is the end of it? End of it is we see the signs, right? The signs and we see, we understand it better, right? I told you after AI came in, we understand it better, the machine and the demons and the humans all getting together, right? Machine and humans coming together, have you seen? AI, haven't seen, we just saw the, the offertory. That was the machine and the human coming together. Did you see anybody playing any music? It's right before our eyes and it's so natural to us. We don't even take a second glance about these things. It has become so natural. And that's the danger of it. All these things have been warned and we become so complacent. That is why Jesus didn't say pray. He said watch and pray. He says, when the fig tree blossoms and the other tree, you're good at reading the weather. He says, watch out for the signs. Watch out. That's why we have to be always not fearful. Prepared. Prepared. Because we are going to see things like that attacks the minds of men. The demonic is not visible. But it is experiential. Why is people's minds, why do you struggle even to concentrate? How your minds are a battlefield and a minefield. Think, take a look. This is where the battle is taking place. And it will be like never before. Bible says in Revelation 12, there is war in heaven. And there was war on earth. And those who won on earth, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. We sang about the blood today in English and in the offering. We are, the, we are a strange set of people on earth. That's why we are called a peculiar people. We are the only set of people on earth, the believers, who sing about the blood all the time. Because we overcome the devil by the blood of Jesus. And we have to learn how to appropriate the blood of Jesus so that we are absolutely clean and pure and spotless at his coming. And the weapon he has given us for that is the blood, the blood of his son. 
We have to learn. They overcame whom? The accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. How did they overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, your word, your word is a weapon. When Jesus comes and he destroys, it is written, the sword that came out of his mouth. When you release, when you believe and you speak, it should have power. Not with man. In the, in the, in the realm that is battling us 24-7. And the third thing, they were fearless. They did not love their lives even until death. They were fearless. God says, the battle is here. Whether you like it or not, there are only two options. Overcome or be overcome. So in Matthew 24, after giving a whole list of things and what will happen and happening before our eyes, he who endures, keep that, endure. He who endures, when? Till the middle. No, till the end. Till the end of your life. Or till the hour of his coming. You have to endure. And in Luke 21, 36, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. That is what I said. All these things. Convergence. All these things were prophesied. But when they start happening, all these things happening suddenly, watch out. Escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand. Endure and stand. Endure. These are important words in scripture. We should be able to endure and not have fallen, but still be found standing against the enemy and standing in the presence of God. Last Sunday we looked at Malachi. One is battling there. Battling the powers of darkness. We fighting, resist. Remember, the third thing is resist. We are learning to turn, to receive the life that God gives us and to resist. Endure what is coming and is happening among us and still stand. When the day of evil comes, the Bible says stand. Then there is another enduring and another standing. That is, doesn't have to do, that's got nothing to do with the enemy or with the world. It has got to do with God. That we saw in Malachi 3. Words. Behold, I sent my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Who are his, who is his temple? We are his temple. The day you got saved, you don't realize, he suddenly came into that temple. It is only now I look back in retrospect, I understand what was happening in my life. Because that day in the month of October in the year 1983, when I went on my knees and asked Jesus to come, he suddenly came in. And after that, my life changed completely. I was so upset, I was so mad, I was so angry, never understanding what was happening. Because he came in suddenly. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then two rhetorical questions. Who can endure the day of his coming? He comes in, but he won't leave. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. And the launderer's soap. 
we look at this launderer's soap, we are thinking about our soap. Surf, Excel. Are you laughing at Surf Excel? Do you know it is India's first billion dollar brand? Did you know that? Surf Excel, which we are so casual about it, is India's first billion dollar brand. But that is not what it is talking about. In our old days, especially in Kerala, where everybody wears white, not because they are pristine pure, because it's very hot. When those white was given to the launderer, he used something like a caustic soda. And it was boiled in it to get all the dirt off. Refiner's fire, launderer's soap. And if you look at the parallel passage about husbands and wives and Christ and the church, he says, he will make us how? By the washing of the water of the word without spot, without wrinkle. What does soap do? Takes the spot. What does the iron do? Takes the So tayar hoji. Istri ka kaam shuru ho Be ready. He won't leave you alone. You can opt out. That's your call. But if you don't opt out, who can stand? Who can endure? So there is two enduring. One is outside. One is allowing him to do his work in us. Because the times will be terrible. Okay, it will be terrible. Hebrews 12. This is what Jesus God says. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, yet once more I will, I shake not only earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly. So that is why so many of you feel, Pastor, my life is being shaken. Don't worry. Everything that is not of the kingdom will be taken out. Um, everybody's life. Otherwise, you will be found unworthy for the kingdom. When you enter into the next realm, whether he comes or you die, nothing of this world will be in you. He will shake everything out. Everything out. That is not of his kingdom. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. That's what Malachi was talking about. Who can endure? Who can stand? The refiner's fire. If you go to that Malachi 3 and verse 3, this is what verse 3 says. I love verse 3. Okay? Because there are proclamations, but there is practical. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. Who is Levi? The priesthood. What are we in the new covenant? The priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. The sons of Levi, the daughters of Levi. God says, you're all part of my priesthood. What will I do? I will refine you. I will purify you like a silver. Burst them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Can be very sure. Once we enter into eternity, if you open your mouth and say something or sing something, it will be righteous. There will not Thing unclean or unrighteous will enter into that city. But the work is done here. The work is done here. 
So get that. Otherwise, don't get so much caught up in the world. Go to the world, be a witness, do your work, come back and let God do his work in us. Because we are preparing for another place. And the world will not under, understand us. Let them call us pagal. It does not matter. Don't try to be smart in the world. Try to be a fool in the world. If you are smart in the world, you will be in trouble in the kingdom. Okay? Because they will never understand us. And don't try to make them understand us. No need. It's not possible. Jesus said this. John 14. When the refiner's fire, the refiner comes. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper. That is the messenger that comes in. Not Elijah. The Holy Spirit that comes in. He, and he may abide with you forever. And what did he say? The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The world is made in a lie, manufactured in a lie, and exporting lies. They will never be able to receive the spirit of truth. My spirit. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you. And he will be in you. That is the issue we are facing. Honestly, once he comes in, everything changes. So the Bible says, when the spirit of truth comes in, who can endure? Who can stand? Because he begins the work of cleaning us, purging us, so that we can be ready for that kingdom. But the truth of the matter is, as we study, let us be very clear about this, okay? This is not any fancy teaching. This is scriptural. Not many will make through. I'm not saying about salvation. Not many will finish the school of the Holy Spirit. That's why the question is asked. Who will endure? Who can stand? Not many. He himself said, the kingdom is yours, little flock. I am the way. Multitudes get in. Then they are hit by the truth. I am the truth. Until you learn to handle truth, the spirit of truth on that side is life in abundance. And Jesus says, very few will make through. I don't think he's talking about salvation. But the Bible talks about many coming through the fire with salvation alone, nothing on that side. Because they did not go through the school. I mean, we see that practically in our own systems, right? Now you enter into LKG. You see, you start with LKG or whatever school. How many schools are there for LKG? Plenty. Just, just LKG and UKG play school, plenty are there. Then you go to high school, number comes down. When you go to whatever you call your plus two inter, the number comes down. When you go to undergraduation, the number goes down further. When you go to PG, the number goes down even more further. You see, as you go up in the academic system, the number of seats available gets lesser and lesser. Why doesn't the government increase it? Simply because many will not come through. They will not come through. The government knows it. They will not come through. That's a fact. You, whether you like it or not, it is a fact. 
In the same way you look into the kingdom of God, it is a fact. You have to accept it. And that's why we, that's why I say Elijah is such an important person because he comes, that spirit that was upon him or that personality is seen in three stages. It is seen through Israel's worst time where they go down into idolatry, sets a stage for their exile into Babylon a few hundred years later. That is Ahab and Jezebel ruling. And then you see that same spirit upon John the Baptist, who is the forerunner to Jesus Christ, preparing the hearts of the people to receive the gospel of salvation. Then you see him coming again before later the one of the two witnesses. So you see Elijah coming over there. Yet God says there were 7,000 who did not bend their knees to Baal. Yet there were 100 prophets who escaped the slaughter of the prophets by Jezebel and her servants. Yet God only found one man. Why? Because only he could come through. Only he could come through. And one man ultimately is going to stand there all alone on Mount Carmel and face the secular, if you want to use that system, and the powers of darkness represented by the prophets of Baal. And then he is going to bring fire down and ultimately turn the hearts of the people to to God, the heart of God back to the people. One man. And we see that parallel. Ahab, the weak man, Jezebel, the aggressive woman, and this prophet. And when he comes and speaks before Ahab, he has no clue. One day he has to stand on Mount Carmel and face the powers of darkness. That is why that three and a half years is the preparation of that man. And we are coming to that time. Again we see the parallel. John the Baptist comes over there. There is John the Baptist. He comes out of the wilderness just like Elijah. Preaches. And then you have Herod, the weak man. And Herod the aggressive woman, a little later, John's head is on a platter. Elijah didn't run before Ahab, he ran before Jezebel. Herod did not slaughter, take uh, John's head off. It is Herod who was instrumental in taking. And when we come to the end of the age, the Bible talks of the woman who rides the beast. We are coming here. We are coming here. We are coming into that moment in history. Where you will see is that. Because we are in India, we don't feel so much, but it is coming. You go into the Western world, the men have been silenced. They don't say anything. They don't say anything. You go to the West, it's a woman's world. It's a woman's world. It's an aggressive, militant feminism which you are seeing over here. And the question is, how do you navigate and come through and remain as a child of God? child of God. And when Elijah departs, his departure taken by the chariots of fire and a whirlwind, it's a picture of rapture. It's a picture of rapture. And the anointing that was upon him is split into three ways. One, upon an unbeliever, a Gentile over Syria, Damascus, over Jehu, the secular leader, and Elisha, the prophet. So we have to see, is God going to do something that is going to anoint a set of people whom he doesn't know to do his purpose in the last days, and a man of God, a secular man of God, whom he's going to anoint to do his purpose, and the prophetic who will ultimately anoint them all. And if it is so, where do you want to be? This is not time to play games. This time to say, Lord, I am available. Do your work in me. That's why Daniel says, they who know the Lord shall do great 
exploit. While the others have been swayed by the flattery of the Antichrist, there is a set of people who know God and they do mighty exploits. Put your heart on God because the Bible says the twinkling of an eye before you know everything will be over. So the Bible says even Elijah needed to be prepared. Who can endure? Who can stand? Elijah, the mysterious character. That's why we work on for years. We have over and over. We come back to First Kings 17 and 18. These two chapters of how this man, because Elijah is, if not the most important prophet in the Bible. Because he keeps coming back over and over again. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. Jesus himself talks about him. So, get this clear. When he comes, in First Kings chapter 17, verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite, we, we know this verse, right? We heard. Of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be, not be dew, dew or rain these years, except at my word. Elijah suddenly appears. We don't know anything about him. We don't know anything. We don't know his background. He has no resume. There will be a lot of people in the last days will suddenly pop out. They had no resume. They had no background, but they had a backbone. The question is not whether you have a background. The question is, do you have a backbone to stand against the powers of darkness and not flinch? Elijah did not have a background. But if you look, he had a backbone. He stood. Because he stood before God, he could stand before any man. I think it's that lady who started that orphanage near Pune. What was her name? I forgot her name. And if you've been to her huge orphanage, it's a Christian lady. It's written over there. Any man who has bent his knee before God has to fear no man. Elijah. What do we know about Elijah? We know a few thousands of years later from James, Apostle James, in James 5 and verse 17. Elijah was a man which a nature just like us. He was just like any one of us. And that is where we are all the same. After that, it is different. He, he prayed. That's what we don't do. He prayed. How did he pray? Honestly. He prayed. But when you read First Kings 16, 15, 14, 13, do you see Elijah praying? You don't see Elijah. This is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. For weeks and months and years, there is a man called Elijah. Nobody knows from the hill country of Gilead, a Tishbite. He's praying, 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 upset by what is happening. God sees him in secret. He sees his heart. He sees his burden. So God is able to put his burden and his word into his heart and suddenly he's revealed. You in secret, he will reward you openly. Before you know, you realize he's standing in front of the king. Standing in front of the king. And we need to realize there are a lot of things which God looks for. Do you have a secret life with God? A life which only God knows. Nobody has to know. Everybody has been caught by the spirit of the world. Everybody wants to have a public figure, a public life with no secret life. This is a man who had a secret life. 
And God alone saw him. And then God just picked him up, put him in front of the king and said, speak to him. You are my mouthpiece for this generation. And he spoke. This is how Jesus said, we should pray in verse 9 and 10. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was Elijah's prayer? Your name, your kingdom, your will. Nothing else. A man sold over to the name, to the kingdom and to the will of God in his generation. Are you one? Are you one? I don't want to mention that the young girl, she looks Jamaican. I don't want to mention her name or anything. I think she's in New York City. She's an unbelievably godly righteous woman. But if you hear her prophecies, your spine will chill. She's absolutely clear. She says, this is what the Lord says. And if she's a random kind of a person, I would ignore them. But she says very clear. Before 2024, President Trump will be assassinated. Biden will abdicate. Kamala will become president. And that's the end. Absolute beginning of the end has come. And they say the same thing in India. Before 2024, Rahul Gandhi will be assassinated. Do you know there are prophecies? Which leader do we put our hope in for a change? Which leader do they put a hope for a change? But do you know what prophecies are? Now these are prophecies. Are there warnings? Are they set? So when I speak about it to people in other places, I say, I don't know. She says judgment is set. God is not going to change his mind. Like he told Jeremiah, you are going to Babylon. Don't even try to change my mind. It's over. It's finished. And when I hear that, Honestly, I get, you asked Pastor Vijay yesterday, even yesterday morning, I said, Pastor Vijay, I fear for my church. I fear for my children. I said, who in the world do you meet any day who is prepared for what is coming? Who is ready? Who is prepared? And talking about that days from Jesus' own mouth, he says when those if the Lord hadn't shortened those days, even the very elect wouldn't be saved. Those who were predestined wouldn't be saved if he didn't shorten the days. He says like those days, never in the history of mankind has days like that ever come. What are we thinking about? Ask, what are your thoughts in your mind? Who is preparing? The Bible is a very open book. God says as it is. He says these things will come. But he says you do not fear. When hearts of men are falling, failing because of fear, you do not fear. Lift up your heads. Your redemption is near. Your redemption is near. But these are not easy things to preach because it is the truth. That is why I love many of the prayer requests. It's always for salvation of unsaved loved ones. That should be at the top of your list. Lord, the salvation of unsaved loved ones. Lord, doesn't matter how hurting it is, how burning it is. Launderer's soap, refiner's fire. Lord, do your work in me. I will endure. Do your work in me. Doesn't matter what it costs. Do your work in me. That is Elijah. That is Elijah. 
out of the blue, out of nowhere, he suddenly revealed. He stands before the king. He makes a proclamation. And God and the man has become one. He's not, he, what he says over there in uh, 17, one is that there will be no dew or rain, one, until the word of the Lord comes from my mouth. Except at my God and the man has become one. He's saying the destiny of this nation has been locked up in my mouth. When I speak next, at God's command, it will rain. No dew, no rain. What a man. Where did he come from? Where did he come from? And he thought, if you and I were in that position and made a prophecy like that, we would think we have arrived. And God tells him, you have just started. You are not even ready for the actual work I have for you. You have to be prepared. He tells him, turn eastward. Then the word of the Lord, verse 2 will say, then the word of the Lord came saying, get away from here. Get away from these places of power, places of influence, this glittering, glassy world. Get away from this place. Get away from this place. We are so caught up with this. Glamour of this world, right? Remember about David, who was chosen by King Saul to be one of his armor bearers and used to play his harp and the demonic spirit used to leave. But what does the word of God says? David went from the palace to the wilderness. From the palace to the wilderness. He didn't stay in the palace, in the glamour. When the king did not need him, he immediately took off to the wilderness. Therefore, when he comes from the wilderness and he sees Goliath challenging Israel, his words are different because he has been framed in the wilderness, not by the glitter and glamour of this world. He says, turn, go into the wilderness of Kerith and hide there. Go and hide there. You have to learn. The minute you leave your workplace, your offices, you have to learn to leave. Don't stay one more second. Longer than needed. Get out. Go back home. Go back into the presence of God. Stay there. And where is he taking them? Go to Kerit. And hide there. What does Kerit mean? We saw last week. <laughs> Elijah, there is so much to be cut away from your life. Before I can really use it. You think you just made a prophecy. That's nothing. That's just the beginning. You have, he has no clue. One day he's going to stand alone on Mount Carmel. Face the king, his army, the people, and the prophets of Baal. You have no clue what we are facing and going to face. Because Satan has come with great wrath. Because he knows his time is near. Satan was found no place in heaven because he lost the war in second heaven and he's cast down to earth. Now he's no longer in second heavens. A time is coming. His dwelling place will be earth. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to handle that? So we learn from Elijah. Let allow the spirit of God to cut away from our lives all those unnecessary things. So he goes into the school of Kerith. If you ever start another school, name it Kerith, okay? And keep knives over there. Say, this is where we'll cut you away. <laughs> Cutting, chipping away, preparing him. 
Question is, does God do this with everyone? Answer, no. Does God want to do this with everyone? Answer, yes. But does God do this with everyone? Answer, no. Like I said last night, in God's kingdom, there are no conscripts. Conscripts means whether you like it or not, if you're 18 years old, join the army. There are only volunteers. There are only volunteers. God's kingdom is an all-volunteer army. That's where Romans 12.1 says, offer your body. Offer. You have to offer. Your bodies are not taken. You offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You offer. Offer. Every day. Every day. You wake up and you say, I offer. I join. Enlist myself. I join, Lord. Train me. Train me. Elijah is somebody who volunteered. He offered. How did you know? You knew it from his prayer life. In that secret closet. In that secret place. The father knew. This man is a volunteer. In the wilderness. In the secret place. God looked at that young boy. And he said. This is a volunteer. That's what he told. Through Samuel. To King Saul. I found a man. After my own heart. Nobody knew. Even the prophet did not know. You don't know dude. But I know. There's a man. In, hidden over there. His heart is for me. Because when you are in the secret place, if you can do something consistently for God in secret, your life will become authentic. If you want your life to be true, then consistently do the things you have to do for God secretly. He will make it public, but don't worry about that. The question is, that consistency is proving to God, you are a volunteer. You are a volunteer. You have enlisted that's Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like all of us. But he prayed. But if you read First Kings chapter 17, you don't see him praying. So who saw him praying? God saw him praying. God saw him praying. And then if you come to verse 4 and 5 of 17, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook and have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And verse 5 will say, Hmm? Turn eastward. Go to the brook Cherith. Hide there. I have commanded. The place, the provision, the protection, and the preparation of a servant of God. One day he will be revealed in the day of power. There is a place. God has said that is where. Go Cherith. Provision, I have commanded. Water is there. I have commanded. Protection is there. Hide yourself. This is not the time to sow. Because there is an X mark on your back. You are on the crosshairs of the king and his soldiers. There is a notice put out for you. Bring him dead or alive, preferably dead. So hide there. And what do I do? You will know. I'm preparing you. I'm preparing you. One line, verse 5. See, children of God, servants of God, their life, their entire sometimes one year, two years, five years, ten years, fifteen years, thirteen years, fifteen years of their life is one line. What is that? He went and did according to the word of God. That should be. We want to write essays, biographies, autobiographies. God says one line is enough. He went 
and did work. What is written about Enoch, the first human prophet? He walked with God. That's all is written about him. One line. 300 years of man's history, he walked with God. Does he want to know what he walked with God? What happened? You come to heaven, I will tell you. For you, only one line. He walked with God. Simple. No, we don't need all these eulogies from men. Eulogies for dead men. These people who talk about, you know, he did. He was true. Simple. Which flows into the job. And verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Note very carefully. When certain things are written very specifically, you need to ask ourselves. God is not giving us information. He's teaching us. Information is on Google. God is not in Google. Not in, he's not giving you just information. He's giving you knowledge of what you need to fight this battle. So why is it written, the ravens brought him bread and meat. Bread and meat. Why is it written like that? Bread and meat. Bread and meat. Morning and evening. Bread and meat. He's preparing for something, which Elijah doesn't even realize he's being prepared for something. He's being prepared for spiritual warfare. And if you are not prepared and ready to fight, let me tell you with the authority of scriptures. If you are not prepared to fight, you will lose. There are only two options in this life once you are saved. Overcome or be overcome. You cannot escape this. You cannot escape this. After chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, all preparations and talking about what Christ has done, what he has done for us, how we should walk and how marriages and life or home should be. When you come to chapter 6, he says, put on the whole armor of God. Stand in the might and power of God. And when the day of evil comes, stand. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, rulers, Powers, powers of wickedness in high places. And so many of you are like, no, you can't see your minds are sometimes so blinded because you have no idea the battles are being consistently lost here. That's why he's a deceiver. Get ready. Because Mount Carmel is going to be the defining moment in Elijah's history. His life, very single-handedly resisted all the servants of Satan and the hosts of Satan. One side, he locked up heaven. They couldn't do anything. They did all their incantation, rituals, witchcraft, sorcery, cut themselves, let out blood, jump, dance, scream. Nothing happened. Why did nothing happen? This man, in the unction of God, shut up heaven. He did not shut up just rain and dew. He just locked up. The entire powers of darkness that when they called, they couldn't do anything. They locked them up. He brought fire from heaven. He turned the hearts of the people back to God. Not only he didn't stop there, he brought the blessings back on the land. You need to look at it. That's why we need to look at this person. And the Bible gives us this very comforting. Elijah was a man 
different from all of us. No, he was a man just like all of us. That's a comforting. God saying, if I could do with Elijah, I can do with anybody. And Elijah did not even go to English medium school. He was not convinced educated. But he shut up heavens and he opened heavens. So there is something written here. He ate. No, he did, not that this was his choice. This is God's choice for him. Bread and meat. Morning, bread and meat. Evening. Starting with the fall, where in Genesis 3, Satan enters into the garden. And after that, the fall is so swift. By the time you come to 10th generation, the demonic and human have so completely intermingled. Every thought and inclination of man is evil. And God has to destroy everyone and preserve just one family. That's how wicked the world became in 10 generations. And when this family comes out of the ark, God gives them literally a new commandment, which you don't see in the other chapters. You see in Genesis chapter 9, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. Earlier he had only given plants for man to eat. Now he says you can eat meat. He says eat meat, but you shall not, you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is its blood. He says, eat meat, but don't drink, don't take, clean the blood out. We know what it is, what it means, because the life of the creature is in the blood. So take it out, because if you partake of the blood, all the demonic and the things in the animal nature will get into you. So wash it off, but eat meat. Why did God change man's diet after Noah's flood, when the demonic had reached its height? Why? Why did he change his diet? Go to the New Covenant, First Timothy chapter four, one, and then three to five. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And then what are the doctrine? Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know. Now when you're talking about the Food, it qualifies in the next words. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So it did not go to the vegetables or fruits. It is talking about creatures. Because he says, in the last days when demonic will reach its height, there will be a movement in the world to take Meat off your plate. If you look all around the world, the movement is to take the meat off your plate. Now those who are bodybuilders over here who go to the gym, they know as soon as they go to the gym, young people, they know their diet changes. They need to have protein shake, egg white and more lean meat. What? Because they need for strength and build your muscles. What do you need? Protein. Most exhausting exercise in the world is spiritual warfare. You need strength. Elijah is being physically, spiritually being prepared to face the hosts of Satan on Mount Carmel with a specialized diet, eat bread and meat, eat bread and meat. 
and the demonic is taking over the agenda to prepare a set of people who have no prayer, people, prayer life nor have the stamina to withstand this battle. The Spirit expressly says in the last days. Spirit expressly says in the last days. God is preparing his servant. If you look at that, if you go back to that portion, if you look at that, you know what God is doing? God is preparing this man. Not that. Uh, um, First Kings chapter um, 17 verse 6. Okay. Bread and meat in the morning. Bread and mo- meat in the... So preparing his body with a high protein diet to pray, to wrestle with powers of darkness and also see that he inculcates the habit of fasting one meal because in the kingdom of God, fasting is a spiritual weapon. A servant is being prepared thousands of years ago so that we will learn of him how to fight when these days come upon us. He says, learn to fight, learn to pray, learn to wrestle, Learn because he says you cannot escape this. There is no way you can escape. Whether you like it or not, you are into this. And if you don't learn to fight, you will lose. They will just run over you. And before you know, the day will come and you will be caught. He says the day should not come on you by surprise because you are sons of light. So God is preparing his servant. And God says... No, today understand it differently. Learn to pray. Be a person like Elijah. Be a man, a woman, a child of prayer. Learn to eat a diet that gives you stamina so that by the time you have finished your prayer, come out of the prayer closet, you don't collapse. You have strength. Also, you learn how to fast. Fast as a discipline. Fast as a discipline. Because we are fighting again last day's agenda. Otherwise the Bible says you will be just swept away. Swept away. You won't even know. You just swept away. Because what the devil is after are our minds. After our minds. Our minds are gone. We are gone. We don't even know. And the day will come to us like a trap. And we look up. Church is gone. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Word 7. After a while, the brook dried up. The brook dried up. The natural reason is given. Why? Because there was no rain in the land. See, every servant of God, every prophet of God, everyone has to go through what the people are going through. Otherwise, you will have neither sympathy nor empathy. We have a high priest. What kind of high priest? Who sympathizes with us. Because he was tempted at all points, yet did not sin. He knows. He knows us because he went through it. So think about it. People are walking miles for water. Elijah is simply sitting and drinking. Bubbling brook, bread in the morning, meat in the morning, bread in the evening. I mean, what kind of a prophet do you become? Do you know what the people are going through?
second reason. See, the problem is, all of us who are parents and who have children, not sadly grown up in the cities, but if we, our children or we were in the countryside when our children were small, there is this wonder of the countryside. Today, children have seen the wonder of man's invention. That's why they are always into gaming. I'm not talking about that. The little one, every plant, every flower, every bumblebee, everything. Ah, the wonder of it. The sad thing is that we don't realize every day of our life is actually a wonder. But we have lost the wonder of it. The wonder of God's mercy. His mercies are new. Let me honestly tell you. How many of you were ready to die last night? Anybody please show your hand. I shall honor you with a crown now. So the wonder of his mercy of a new day. The wonder of his provision. The wo- you see we have taken it all for granted. And it can happen even to the greatest of men. Go to Numbers 11, verses 4 to 6, and look at especially. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to the intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And that's not the point. Look at verse 6. Now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this Manna was a wonder. You are in the middle of nowhere. There is no food to eat. There's nothing all around you. Look, it's a wilderness. And every morning, the wonder drops before them. Enough for every home, every person. Enough every day. It's a wonder. And on the sixth day, enough for two days. A wonder. And they says we are tired of God's signs and wonders and His provision. The danger, the miracle becoming familiar, the holy being commonplace, the sense of wonder and gratitude just disappears. Just disappears. Can happen even to the prophet. Because after some time, He's the first one who sang the song, the Sunday school song. It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling. Because the brook is always bubbling. He doesn't have to worry about water. It's coming, it's coming. The ravens are always coming. After some time, he stops looking for the raven. Because you have taken it for granted. The ravens will come, the water will flow. Even the miracle becomes common. And the brook dried Learn these lessons. Every day wake up to the wonder of life. Lord, that's what the psalmist says. I don't know where it's done. The psalmist he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Who will praise you in the grave? Who will praise you in the grave? Those who have breath, he says, the wonder of life. Have you lost it? If you haven't praised him today, you have lost it. And it is better for you to be in the grave. Because what happens, your place will be taken up by the trees and the rocks. And they said, tell them to shut up. 
He says, if they shut up the rocks and the trees, you will suddenly hear on that day, they too had voices. Already we didn't hear or understand them. Let all of creation give him glory. But we were the ones who were made in his image. We were the ones created to give him glory. And we shut our mouth. It's become commonplace. The miracle has become common. And we become ungrateful. So the brook dried. Brook dried. Now he's, he's being moved to the next level. Training. Verse 8 and 9. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Something is drying in your life. What was, co- what was constant from God in your life has dried up. Listen carefully. He's got something to tell me. Something to tell me. Either he's something new to teach me. Or he's going to reorient, recalibrate me for something else. Let us not say higher or bigger. And I'll leave that all. Those are human calculation. But he has something more tougher or something new for me to learn. Don't panic. Don't panic. When brooks dry, don't panic. Only perk your ears. Listen carefully. Brook is where I go. No, listen carefully. Because I know I'm in the right place. I know I heard well months back. He said, turn eastward, go to the brook carrot and hide. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And if the brook has dried, it's not because I'm in the wrong place. It's because he's changing something in my life. Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. He says, this was temporary. I want to change your location. You're going to dwell somewhere else. Zarephath. Kerith means cutting away, chipping away. Zarephath means crucible, smelting pot where metal is refined. You're moving from the frying pan to the fire, Mr. Prophet. Is that some of you feel? Lord, why these troubles? You know, 20, 21, 22, I was expecting the trouble would be over when we entered the new year. And we heard all these promises. Instead, trouble has increased. Welcome to Zarephath. You're on the right road, child. Because you are thinking of your problems in the light of this world. You are not looking at your problems in the light of the world that is coming. And if you are able to see that, you will be able to say like Apostle Paul, the things that we see are temporary. The things which we do not see are eternal. Therefore, these afflictions are light and momentary. But it is working within us an incredible weight of glory. The problem is not your problem. The problem is your vision. You are living for this world and not for the world that is coming. Therefore, you are not able to understand. You are asking, Lord, why is this coming? He says, remember that evening in that meeting when they all sang, I surrender all. You also said. And I took you seriously. Because I look at you. You are my child. I don't lie. My child doesn't lie. I receive your surrender. Now let Zarephat come. You are in school. You have moved from high school to inter. Zarefat. You'll go to college at Carmel. Carmel College of Higher Education. That's a day. Further away. Arise, go to Zarefat and dwell there. From the frying pan to the fire. From isolation. Kerut is isolation. 
to the midst of people. Isolation is not a good thing. For seasons it is good. But it's not good for life. Because when you get isolated, you start forgetting others. We are social beings. The first law of marriage in Genesis 2. God looked at Adam, God looked at all the animals, and he looked at Adam, and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. The first law is fellowship. So many of you are miserable in your marriage, not because you don't have money, or you have money, or you don't have money, it's because you don't know how to fellowship. Two fellows in two different ships. Yet we put you here in one ship. How did you get these two ships? Where did you change? If you break the first law of marriage and are successful in everything else, you are fruitful, you multiply, you prosper, and all those blessings are there, but you forget the first law of marriage. It is not good for Adam to be alone. Still will be miserable. That is a built-in law of marriage. You were created for. You have all the doctrine. You are a PhD in divinity from Fuller or Trinity. But you forget the second law of marriage. They gathered day, sorry, of the church. You gathered daily for the apostles doctrine and fellowship. You'll be miserable. Because you are created for fellowship, not for doctrine. The purpose of the doctrine was to prove your fellowship. It's a loss. Throw from carrots. Okay. A lot of things which I had to chip away in isolation, I have chipped away. Now go to Zarephath. Now this next stage of your work cannot be done in isolation. Cannot be done in isolation. See, dwell there. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Who understands God's ways? Don't tell God. Would you please provide me in this particular manner? God says, shut your mouth. Did you surrender? Yes. How did you surrender? I heard you saying, I surrendered all. But I think you didn't surrender all. I will choose. Ravens for Kirith. Widow for Zarephath. Do you understand God? He is in Kerith. Zarephath is 100 kilometers away. There is lookout notice in every police station in Israel for Elijah. And he's a very strange figure. He cannot even hide among the crowd because he looks like a sore thumb in every crowd. Dressed differently. And he has to walk 100 kilometers from Kerith to Zarephath. And everywhere, everybody's telescope is there. Wanted, dead or alive, poster, $5,000, $10,000. The rate is going up. Cut and go. See, Psalm 91, 1 and 2 is scripture for us, not experience. Is it experience? Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. You see, these are 
You see, we, we read one line. He arose and he went. Do you know what he went through? Do you know what he went through Cherut? In Cherut? All those days? All alone? Only visitors, morning three or four ravens come. Evening three or four ravens come. Sitting there alone. You start questioning. Did I hear correctly? What am I doing here? Did I hear correctly? The only proof is ravens are coming. So I must have heard correctly. You ask. You start questioning everything that you have heard. Now next time you hear you are saying, from here, go to there. I was preparing this morning. He was, the Lord was telling, do you remember donkeys and donkeys years ago when I sent you to that underground church? Your day was tough. And there were times you kept on asking, Lord, what am I doing here? I miss my home. I miss my family. I, I, I miss my food. Like Elijah, every day for two years, my meal was exactly the same. I made rice, dal, and scrambled eggs. And of course, a Kerala magic powder called Chamandi. That was there. See, day begins at 4, ends at 11.30. And you ask yourself, Lord, what am I doing here? Did I hear correctly? Did I hear correctly? See, it is two years, but it is one line. Go from Kerat to Zarephath. Only your bare things are out. Every day your suitcase, you have one suitcase and you have a bag. You have nothing else, no cot, nothing. You sleep on the floor. The landlord gave a table and two chairs, that is there. Every day almost everything is packed. Because if the government catches you, you have to live in less than 12 hours. You are packed every day. So these words in Psalm 91 are not scripture. They are experience which we will all need one day. So it's easy to identify with these people because they were alone. I was alone, not among my people, but with the people to whom God had sent me. Take nothing from them. They said, okay, Lord. Make your own food. Okay, Lord. Don't eat from outside. Okay, Lord. Why? I don't want you falling sick. Okay, Lord. Think. Now when I think back and I realize, you know what? Were those days real? How did I come through all those days? Then I wake up, nothing has changed for me. 3.42 in the morning, I am up today. Finish my devotions. Make my wife's breakfast, my son's coffee, fill the water. 6.45, I am out of the house. And when I reach the next church, I am the first one. Still not late. Nothing has changed. There are certain things in life you have to keep doing over and over and over again because you know what you heard was true. You don't have to change certain things in your life. It will remain the same till he comes. The discipline of waking up in the morning, the discipline of seeking his face, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of the word, the discipline of fasting, it will continue until he comes because you are preparing for war. 
And yesterday, like I said, when yesterday, suddenly I read Oswald Chambers, somebody talking about Oswald Chambers, great man of God. Oswald Chambers telling another man, oh, it is when I reached the age of 70, I started writing a book every year. He said, my real ministry life began only at 70. And I looked at my age and I said, Lord, if you tarry to come, I haven't even reached there. There is still hope. At 60, people retire and buy a rocking chair. In this kingdom, you are not even ready at 60. You're just getting started. Because you, it's only the older you get in the Lord, the more you understand that you don't understand His ways. And you have the Google children today. They know everything. Yet they know nothing. You have been Googleified. I don't know whether any of you can do a PhD because you do not know how to go to a library and search. Because Googling, 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 Googling. By the time you grow up, you will forget what a library looks like. Who was that one who said, keep your books? Keep your books. Because they cannot tamper with your books. But they can tamper with everything on the internet. Keep your books. Keep your books. And verse 10 says, so he went. <laughs> what a simple, simple life. So he arose and he went. No complications, right? If life was so simple, how simple our life would be? God said, I went. God said, then I fasted. Then I sought his face. Did you really say it? By the time one year is gone. He arose, he went. No questions, no grumbling, no complaining. Simple thing. Here I am. Arise, go to Zarephath in Sidon. No question. No. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Lord, I think I need to give you a small refresher course. I am not sure, Lord, you spoke correctly. Go to King 16 and verse 21. No. Is that? Yeah. First Kings 16. Thirty-one, thirty-one, not twenty-one, thirty-one. Now it came to pass, though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ithabal, the king of the Sidonians. Where did he ask him to go? Who is the king of Sidon? Ithabal, Jezebel's daddy. Where did God ask him to go? Go to Sidon, right under the nose of Ithabal. Dodd. God, I think either I heard wrong or you spoke wrong. I will give you the benefit of doubt. Could you speak it again? No, you got up and you went. Look at that. Psalm 23, 5. Read it. Prepare the table for me. 
His word never changes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. How he provides is his job. Ravens, widow, I don't know. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside green pastures, still waters. Yes, Cherith was green, nice water, food was coming. Then there is a turn. Walk from there. You're going through the valley of shadow of death. But I shall not fear any evil because I have a word behind me. My word is Go to Zarephath and not die on the way. Go to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow. Dwell there. If he said go to Zarephath and to dwell there. If I am hundred miles away from here to there, I am secure. The only thing that is the question is, will I obey? I am secure. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, you read the next chapter. Kings has sent soldiers to every surrounding nations to find out where is Elijah. And he's walking right under his nose to his wife's father's kingdom. And they cannot see him. They cannot catch him. Why? Even though I walked the valley of shadow of death, I will fear. And I have commanded a widow to do what? Feed you. He spreads a table for me. In the presence of my enemies. This is how faith comes. You have the word of God, you have the experience of men. And you realize generation to generation to generation, he is the same. He never changes. He's always faithful. The only things that we doubt. We doubt. We panic. We fear. And God says, Jesus said, Lord, the tree you cursed yesterday is dried from the roots. Simple answer. Have faith in God. Oh, you do not know. This is a special trick. Others cannot know. Just have faith in God. What a simple answer to a complicated question. Pastor, I am suffering from this disease for 20 years. Have faith in God. I have never found a job. Every job I go, I am rejected. Have faith in God. I have tried this subject for so many years. I am failing every time. Have faith in God. You don't like simple answers, right? <laughs> Lord, are you sure? No questions. He has not have any walked. One line. No? Verse 10 is one line. He arose and he went to Zarephath. He arose and he went to Zarephath. How simple. 100 mile journey of a prophet who is ah, every soldier is looking out for him. One line. He arose and he went. We all have to step into those shoes in our own ways to experience the power of God. Like today, Brother Banu stepped into very difficult shoes, able shoes. But he did a good job. Six months ago, who would have thought Banu could do it? But he decided, I am going to learn. He's joined the music class. He is learning. And today, he did it. He did it. It is not an easy shoes to get into. Abel is a master of all instruments. But in the kingdom of God, all God is looks. Are you available? Are you available? And 
when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. Kya baat hai? Timing. No GPS. No text. I am coming. Wait for me near the gate. Nothing. She just happened to be there. Do you think it was casual? God had his divine appointment for his servant. God also had the divine appointment for the widow. Please understand this. God is not only at work in your life, but also at work in the lives of others. Will you obey? Many years ago, 30 plus years ago. I asked the Lord, what do, where do I go next? So I had seven options. No, You always put the option you don't want at seven. You put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I've said this very spiritual. We become very spiritual with God. Be very careful because it's original spirit. I said, Lord, every door that is not from you, shut it. One, two, three, four, five, six, suddenly shut. Seven is open. Where is seven? Asan. Who wants to go to Assam in the 90s when Alpha is ruling the streets? Army is controlling the streets. Alpha is ruling the streets. And here God says, go to Assam. But you heard, you obey. <coughs> I reach Assam. I'm staying in a guest house. Every counsel I have got from family, believers, brethren, everybody is this. Stay in the civilian area. Don't mix with the soldiers at all. Because it is very dangerous for you. And the problem is, I don't know anybody there. The only one I know is a soldier. <laughs> and he's not an ordinary soldier. He's a very senior soldier. Senior officer. So I reach in the afternoon. I reach my room. And by evening, soldier. Sir. Haji. Haji. James, sir. Haji. Colonel, sir, has gypsy hai. Vehicle is waiting there. Come to his house. Same day I landed. I reach his house. I said, hi uncle. Open the door. A church I did not know is waiting for me to preach. Divine appointment. You thought you did not know where he was going. But your God knew where he was sending you. Five years I worked among them. Till today, I'm in touch with them every day. But when you went, God is not only working in your life, He's also working in others' life if you are obedient. All He's looking is for, is there anybody obedient who's willing to listen to the nudge, the leading of my spirit? That's why Jesus a thousand years, two thousand years later will come and say, there were many widows in Israel, but the prophet was sent to the widow in Sidon. Oh, there was only one who would obey. Are you that one? Will obey? Will you obey? You have to realize how God works. God is working. There's some people know. Caesar is sitting in his great and mighty throne with his laurel wreath on his head and he makes a command. 
Let all of Rome have a census. Let each man go to his ancestral village. He's exercising his power and glory. In reality, he doesn't know. He's just a sipai for God. Errand boy for God. By the time this edit reaches from Rome to Israel, there's a woman who's nine months pregnant. And they read, everyone go to your home. And a home is 75 miles away. And the journey begins to Bethlehem. Because 600 years ago, a practically unknown prophet called Micah had written one line that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. This guy thinks he is Caesar. But God says, you are my servant. I move people for my divine appointments. And he's still on the throne. He never abdicated. So why do you worry? Why do you fear to obey him? There are divine appointments made. The Bible says, when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, the widow was there gathering. No confusion. Going to check out in Zarephath, how many widows are here? Can you give me a list? And which is the poorest? Nothing. The widow is waiting for you there. No confusion. No lady speaking on the phone, reroute, aap negalat. You have taken the wrong turning. Go forward and turn and come back. Nothing. When God leads, you don't need GPS. Right there. And what happens? He called out to her. He called to her and said, the first two words I learned in Telugu, Elijah used to her. Manchi niru kavali. Niru kavali. That is the first one words I learned in Iflu. Telugu. Nilu Kavali. Can you give me a little water? Can you give me a little water? Not an easy question. The brook dried. There's famine in the land. There is no water. Can you give me a little water? He called to her and said, Please. Bring me a little water in a cup to drink. Oh, awesome. What she does next. Verse 11. Verse uh, Hebrews 13 too. I don't want you to miss that. Do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing somehow unwittingly entertained angels. Unwittingly entertained. She looks at them. She has not heard the voice of the Lord or anything, but God says, I have commanded the widow. How he did that, we don't know. His ways are beyond our understanding. She looks at him. He says, can you give me a little water? This is the defining moment of her life. Sometimes, people do not know how they have blown up the things of God in their life because they did extend a small hand of mercy to somebody. And that person was put right there by God to help you out. Would you give me a little water? She has so many reasons why not to give him water and not one single reason to give him water. Don't you know what my situation is? I am poor. I am a widow. I have nobody. We are ready to die. Nothing. Somebody is asking for water. Give him water. Ziklag is burned. Everything is lost. People have taken stones to throw a stone, David. And David asked the Lord, Lord, 
Shall I pursue? Will I overtake? The word of the Lord comes. Pursue. You shall surely overtake. Recover all. He encourages his soldiers. Goes on the pursuit. 200 of them fall away. Now he's got only 400 on the way while they're going. That's a sick man. You are racing to rescue your wife and your children. The children and the families of your soldiers. There's a sick man lying on the road. He stops. So bring him to me. That would change his destiny. Takes care of him. And he says, if you promise not to give me back to my master, I will tell you where the Amalekites are hidden. I will lead you directly to your enemies who have taken your family. You know why? He got time and he caught them by surprise and fought from night to night and destroyed everybody and recovered all because he extended mercy. 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 Understand the ways of God. That's why I always tell people, don't be caught so much in your problems. This woman had more problems than all of us put together. And she's extending mercy to a prophet. Look around. When you walk on the roads, look around. When you walk on the streets, look around. When your office, look around. Joseph was a prisoner, so were all. And one day he looked at the man and said, why are your face downcast? That's the beginning of his deliverance. And they said, I had a dream, I had a dream. He said, say to me, perhaps God will give me the interpretation. But why did he was able to do that? Because he saw somebody's face was downcast. Instead of you walk around saying, look at me, I am downcast. Look at me, I am downcast. Pity party. Understand the ways of God. You unwittingly entertain God's angels. We are the only hands and feet God has on earth. Understand that. That's why the church is called the body of Christ. The head is in heaven. The body is on earth. And verse 11. And as she was going to get it. Little water. She's picking sticks. She stops. This man says, give me little water. She doesn't know. She's, a, she's not an Israelite. She doesn't know who it is. He looks like weird, prophetic kind of, sadhu kind of, a looking like a fellow. He looks weird. She doesn't know who it is. She is Sidonian. She is not Israelite. And when she was about to go, or as she was going, Second word. You will receive your second word when you have obeyed the first one. You obeyed the first one. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring a morsel of bread also in your hand. God puts pressure on our faith because if it is of God, faith can take the weight of it. He will make you give until you bleed. Because if it is of God, it can handle it. Because faith is not of man. Faith is of God. Its origin is God. Look unto the author and the finisher of faith, Jesus. A poor widow. 
First pressure, bring me water. When she's about to obey its second pressure, bring me bread. And that's when she opens her mouth. What does she say? She said, ask the Lord, your God lives. Not my God. Your God different, my God different. Your God different, my God Baal. Your God Yahweh. As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. This is common statement of anybody. I have nothing but this. Now why don't you say I have only this thing and nothing else? No, we won't say that. I have nothing. First statement is negative. I have nothing but this. Instead of that you should say I have only this Lord. What do you want me to do with this? Like the little boy. I have only five loaves of bread. So if it is useful, take it. Just give it to me. Give it to me. Same Shunam at the other woman, Elisha's widow. I have nothing. Except a little oil. I have nothing. First statement, I have nothing. How long have you been in church? Five years. What can you do? Nothing. Congratulations. There's a place in heaven called nothing. And you will be used there mightily. What will you be doing for eternity? Nothing. Because that's what you did on earth. Nothing. You have been trained. Only a handful of flour, nabin, a little oil in a jar, and see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. I stole yesterday, last night. Don't take it lightly. Israel's history, world history, is what famine have done to people. God himself compares. The love of the mother has the strongest on earth. He says, even if your mother forsakes you, it's very difficult for a mother to forsake her child, suckling child especially, I will not. So he compares his love to be greater than of a mother. The Bible talks about when famine came, Two mothers got together and said, today I will eat yours, tomorrow we will eat mine. And they did. And when the king heard it, he tore. They did. Mothers ate their own children. Because what hunger can do to you, you have no clue. That's why the Bible says these things have to be decided. Because when that day comes, nobody can buy or sell. You need to buy to eat. You need to sell something to buy something to eat. His day will come where the pressure will be so intense. When we say in English where your stomach is touching your backbone, you will know, have clue what you are capable of doing. And only by faith you will be able to endure and stand. And say, oh, and this mother has been storing Little by little by little by little by little, eating a little, giving it to her son. Giving it to her son, eating a little. And she has come to her last handful. Come to the last bit. The barrel has reached the bottom. One handful. That's when the prophet comes. Lord, why is help not coming? He says, you still got a little more in the barrel. When it comes to the last mouthful, I will come. And I will ask you to give it first. I want to know whether you believe I am that I am. You want a miracle, right? We are planning to make our last two rotis eat and die. 
God doesn't come to kill. He comes to give life. The devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come to give you life. Go to the next verse. Elijah said to her, do not fear. First thing. That's the first thing. Most of the people don't do most things because they are afraid. Do not fear. Do not fear. Over and over and over and over again, God says, do not fear. Because faith and fear don't, are not travel companions. Faith comes in, fear goes out. Fear comes in, faith goes out. So when they were afraid and said, don't you care? Jesus woke up and asked them, rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. Everything was calm. Everything was calm. He asked them two questions. Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? The first thing he asked is, don't fear. All these terrible things are coming. It will happen. But God says, you, men's heart will fail of fear. But you don't fear. You are part of the kingdom. You know your redemption is near. You know the king is coming. The kingdom is coming. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Death? Don't you understand for us death or live to live or to die is gain? Why do you see death as loss? See, it's all here and here. How you believe and what you think. If you think death has loss, you will be afraid. If you think death has gain, you won't be afraid of death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even unto death. Why? Because they knew death for us is gain, not loss. It is gain, not loss. These things have to be, has to be what you call engraved in our hearts. Etched in our hearts. That nothing can erase it off. Over and over you need to confess this. For me to live or die is gain. For the things that I see are temporal. The things I do not see are eternal. Though I am perishing outwardly, I am being renewed inwardly. So these afflictions are momentary. And it has no comparison to the eternal weight of glory that is coming. My real life is on that other side. This is surreal. This is not real. But when we look at this and think this is real, we will make appropriate decisions. When you look at that other side by faith and see that is real, we will make appropriate decisions. So Elijah opens and tells her, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Don't fear. Go. And do as you have said. You said something. You said, I'm, we got one hand of flour, one hand of oil. We're going to make two rotis. And I am going to eat. My son is going to eat. And we are going to lie down and Die. Do as you said. Not the dying part, the cooking part. But, do as you said. But, listen carefully. But, make me a small cake from it first. If you didn't remember anything you heard today, remember this. This is where your deliverance lies. Do as you said. Go cook. But first, first, make me a cake and give it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. You do that, then the word of the Lord is this. Neither the bin, nor the oil, 
will run dry until the famine is over. But you have to do something first. That's our problem. Take a pause there. That's our problem. Seek ye. Seek ye. First. That's our problem. Lord! Do you seek me first? There's something called first in the kingdom. Luke 9. 59. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me. Let me. First. Let me. First go and bury my father. And he said. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to them all, you're getting your first mixed up. You're getting your first mixed up. It is not what you are doing. The problem is not what you are doing. Maybe everything that doing you are doing in life is right, but the order is wrong. The issue is not what you are doing. The issue is the order. You should eat, lady. Your son should eat, lady. But first, you want a breakthrough? You want a breakthrough? Then put God first. Put God first. I have to bury my father. And then I will follow you. He said, wait a second. You got your order mixed up. I will also fall, but I will go home and say, bye-bye daddy, bye-bye mama. He says, you got it wrong. A little later, a few few months later, a few years later, First Kings chapter 19. So he departed from there from Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelve. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. He's a recluse. He doesn't even like companionship. That is Elijah. He doesn't properly put something on this man. He just throws it like this. <laughs> Maybe he had sat there with the brook cherith and played with stones. So his aim was right. It fell on Elisha. Threw his mantle at him. And he left the, uh, Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father, my mother. Then I will follow you. And he said, Go back again. What do I have to do with you? Wow. Scripture never changes, right? He's so actually, I've been called to the prophetic school. I will go say bye. He says, go say bye. What have I got to do with you? First, bye. And then follow. When you go there and say, Mati will say, Beta, Mati Jana. And you will change your mind. Yung kar pe kya ka kami hai? Sab kuch hai na beta. Kuch chahiye to mujh se bolo. Daddy will say, what? Bible college? You are crazy? We have invested in you? You want to go say bye to them? Or follow me. Real life. Like I told that Katmandu, I can still can't forget that pastor's humor. That pastor came and said, one father had three sons. And he said, his third son is failing in every subject. First one is good in math. Second is good in biology. Esco doc- engineer, Esco doctor. This fellow is failing. Esco Bible college. Give it to God. Let me ask you all you parents over here, sitting over here. Your brilliant child, the one is excellent in studies, 
which among you is preparing him or her for God? Let it come home. The truth come home. Or if you have a child, get married and have a child. Which among you is already planning like Hannah, give me a child, a son, and from birth he'll be set apart for you. God heard a prayer. Nobody is. Very rarely. They're all thinking very Princeton, Harvard, no, graveyard kind of colleges. <laughs> Where does God come first? Let us be honest, at least in the house of God. Luke 14, 28. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first? Did you sit down first? Lot of people I know think this kingdom is a joke. It's like a, like a picnic. See, years and years and years ago, I made a decision. And I made a decision when I heard Job say, and it has been my decision every time. Even if you slay me, I will still serve you. I counted the cost. I was always willing to pay the price. Lot of people never counted the cost. God says, first, there is something called first. Sit down. Take an evaluation today, the beginning of the 16th year. If I am going the way I am going, will I finish my race? Sit down. Because the kingdom is knocking at the gate. Will I complete the way I am going? Sit down. Did you count the cost? Did you count the cost? Ask yourself. You're building something. It's a structure called your building, your life that is going to be put through the fire. Can what I have built stand the fire of God's judgment? Sit down first. Verse 31. Oh, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against with him 20,000. I told you, this is war. Every day the enemy is after you, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren. He is after everyone. The question is, with what you have, do you know how to fight? Can you fight? Sit down. The way I am, the way my prayer life is, the way my word life is, the way my faith life is, my fasting life is. Can I fight? Or just stand there and see my household, my church, my people all go down the line. Because there's a war taking place. God says, sit down. Does he not sit down first and consider? Or I need to make adjustments. Because Elijah was a man just like us. But he prayed. You are not a respecter of persons. That means you hear prayer of ordinary people. Teach me to pray. That is one thing the disciples realized. Looked at Jesus. They heard him preach. They do him miracles. Everything. But they knew where the power came from. They knew. It came from somewhere else. So they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, prayer is not the first thing. Attitude is the first thing. Attitude is 
your name, your kingdom, your will. That's what matters first. You look at my prayer life. You look at my power life. You look at all that, but you don't see my heart. In my heart, there are only three objectives. His name to be glorified. His kingdom come and his will be done on earth. And my entire prayer life is focused around this. It's not having a vibrant prayer life. The core of your prayer life is about whom? Ask serious questions. Like the prophet says, who is it, Joel? Multitude, multitude. Multitude, multitude. In the valley of decision. And the day of the Lord is near. Church, understand this. Matthew 22, 37, 38. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first. And this is a great commandment. This is the first. It's the first and the great commandment. When it comes to the same words in the gospel according to Mark, something else is added which gives more light. Why? That's where you have to just read your Bible through, read your devotions and all. But be a student. Because you're searching for something. Because your heart should be, Lord, with all my failings and failures and weaknesses and fallings, I want to please you. I want to please you. I truly want to please you. I look into the word and I realize you have used ordinary, illiterate, semi-literate people. Therefore, I believe you will use me. I want to please you. So, Lord, open up things which makes me more usable to you. You go to the same portion, Ma. Then one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is here. From there it begins, here. I told on the Monday and Friday. Blessed are those who read, hear, and do. Just because you listen does not mean you hear. She listened to him. She listened to him. Do not fear. Go do just as you said. But first, make a cake for me. If she had heard, she listened. But if she had heard, should have gone, make the cake, and bring it for him. The difference between listening and hearing is in hearing. There is obedience. There is obedience. That's why to every church in the book of Revelation, God says, those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Hear, O Israel. This is the first. What is it? Mark, let's go back there. Mark 12, 28. 28, 28, 28. Okay, yeah. 
Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The first, the most important thing you need to realize is there's only one God. There are many gods. They are not gods. It's only one God. Israel, understand this. You went after many gods and prostituted yourself with them. Hear, O Israel, the first thing. Because love the Lord your God. Anybody from any religion will say, I love, but you are loving the wrong God. It doesn't bring any difference to you in eternity other than judgment. So first get your God right. This is the first thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. There's only one. There are no two, only one. Second, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The first. We struggle with the first in the Bible. And God is putting before us a Sidonian widow at the last vestiges of our strength. She looks at her son. Look at her son. You know, we've seen pictures. We've seen in real life too. Stomach big because of malnutrition. Ribs cage all coming. This thing, you know. He hasn't eaten one meal a day for months and weeks. And the boy is waiting eagerly because mommy went to pick up the firewood. She is going to cook something. I'm so hungry. And this old man comes and says, Give it to me first. Long ago I went to Kerala. Went to a place that I had not gone. Just a pastor had invited me. A pastor hardly knew. I went to his house. Simple Pentecostal pastor. Went to his house. Nice little house. Car park outside. We're sitting and talking. Their language is different. I, 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 their language is different. You, they open their mouth. There will be their language is godly. The way they talk is complete. It's a different language altogether. In home, outside. Then he was telling me. My life was never like this. My house was never like this. He said, I am one of five or six sons of our family. We were poor. Our father died early. Our mother who was a widow brought us up. And what would happen is, he said, she would make chamandi, that is chutney, and she would make kanji. You know what kanji is. Okay. And then, when we are about to heat, we are so hungry, we are waiting about to heat, by some chance, one passing pastor would come in. My mother would say, sit down, pastor, pray for us. And then he would, she would go in and take the rice out of the kanji and large portion of the chutney and feed him. And we children used to be so angry. Because this used to always happen. Some servant of God would come in and when you are hungry, he eats a major portion and goes away. And my mother would always say, a servant of God has come to our house. It's our blessing. We need to bless them. Today he said, we have everything. And the Lord told me, do you know why you have everything? Because your mother gave first the servant of God. Because she saw God in him first. It is not because Elijah is hungry. 
It's not because Elijah is hungry. Elijah knows God's work. You have to put God first. This Sidonian woman does not go first. Doesn't know God, but God's servant is there. So she put him first. Everything will start flowing into you. I told you this echo. I was standing outside Station Church in Tezpur, Solmara. And I just finished service for the army Jawans. We were all standing out. I was alone. Jawans had all gone. One poor North Indian Jawan, Sipoy, simple man. And he said, Pastor Saab, I prayed over him. And then he put his hand in and gave me a two rupee note. You don't see two rupee notes here. I have. I have two rupee, one rupee notes. All have kept as memories of India. Just stone. I said, Nahi, nahi, chahiye, bhaiya. Thikhe, thikhe, kuch nahi, aap rakh do, aap rakh do. Zarurat nahi hai. I told him to keep it. I came home. The first thing I hear is a rebuke. Clear rebuke in your spirit. The rebuke was, you don't need that two rupees. He needed to give it to you. He was not giving it to you. He was giving it to me. Don't get too spiritual. Listen to God. Because you get so spiritual and sympathetic. Poor lady, how can I ask her for the first helping? At least I ate two meals every day. This lady is starving. What will she think about me? What will the boy will shout skirts? No, you just do what God told you to do. Make it first and give it to me. That's where your breakthrough lies. You cannot change the ways of God. But you obey it. There is always a miracle. It's always a miracle. That's why I said fundamentally deep in your heart, the conviction should be always there. My God is good and He is always good. And when He tells me something to do, only good will come out of it. Because He cannot do bad. He's never tempted by evil. That's what James says. Because if you ever bring an iota of doubt into your heart that God is not always good, your faith will start failing. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. And as the Africans say, I am his witness. They are his witness. You shall be my witnesses on earth. Witnesses of what? Of the goodness of God. Goodness of God. God is good. You know why we are alive? Because God is good. You know why you are in the church? Because God is good. You know why you are able to hear the word of God? And it has not become, I hope, not common. The bread that was brought miraculously by the ravens and given to the prophet has not become common. The word that has come over and over and over unceasingly, unremittingly come over you. I hope it has not become common. It should be a wonder. It should be a wonder. Why should God feed me? When Amos prophesies there will be in the last days a famine of the hearing of the word of God. It's a wonder. Don't let it become commonplace. Treasure it. Value it. Lord, it is written, you have magnified your word above all your name. Who is worthy? Am I worthy to receive your word? Am I worthy to speak his word? It's a wonder. Don't lose that wonder. Like the Israelites. A generation for 40 years. Every morning. 
like snowflakes. Manna is coming down. Think about it. Manna is coming down. And they called it manna, which means, what is this? Tasted like wafers, like honey. There was none feeble among them, none ill among them. A wonder. Their clothes did not wear off. Their sandals did not wear off. Their sweet feet did not swell. Yet they are walking 40 years. There are no supermarket, no clothes store, nothing. Wonder coming from heaven. Wonder on their bodies. Wonder on their legs. Wonder everywhere. But they took it as commonplace. We don't realize our life is a wonder. All of our lives is a wonder. All of you young people, think about it. Why are you here? The last one has finished class too. Why are you here? How did you come here? How did you finish all this? How did this all happen? The wonder of God. Did everybody in your village make it? Did everyone in your household make it? No, they didn't. The wonder of God. The wonder of God. Don't lose that wonder. The way we don't lose it, one thing is by keeping first things first. So like I said, if you forgot everything else, don't forget this. Let's pray. It's 12 o'clock. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. If nothing else, starting today, teach us to put you first. Show us what it means to put you first. When we do that, everything else will start taking its rightful place in our kingdom. It was the most difficult thing for Elijah to tell that woman, but he told her, and she obeyed him. And the miracle unfolded in her life. And you are the God of Elijah. You are the God of that widow, our God. Let there be a change in the lives of your people today. Putting God first. Putting God first. So that we too are prepared to stand in the day of evil against the powers of darkness and rulers and principalities and when everything is over found standing either on earth or standing in the presence of God but standing that's our prayer Lord today bless your church bless your people keep your people be with us go with us go before us and teach us to walk before you and be blameless Thank you, thank you, Father, once again for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen.